KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Sabrina Boyd Serka. The musical Oklahoma is currently playing at the Forest Theater. The original from back in the 1940s has some flaws in its portrayal of race or lack thereof, but this revival is said to be revolutionary. So, can shows like this really be reimagined for today's world? Warren Hoffman is the former literary manager and dramaturg for the Philadelphia Theatre Company. He was also senior director of programming at the Gershman Y before they changed their name and their focus to the Philadelphia Jewish Film Festival. And he's the author of a book called The Great White Way, Race and the Broadway Musical, which features a chapter on Oklahoma. So I asked him for his thoughts on this revival, which led us into a bigger conversation about the portrayal of race on Broadway in general, how it's evolved over time, and whether or not it's come far enough. So we're talking about Oklahoma, which was first written in 1943. It's set at the turn of the 20th century when Oklahoma first became a state. And the script even says under setting, Indian Territory, now Oklahoma. That's a direct quote. And yet there are no Native Americans in this show. So how does that happen? Uh, It's a great question uh, uh, with a little bit of a complex answer. And so, some ways I would argue they're there, um, but unseen, and, and I'll say it in this way, um, so much of Oklahoma is about these two groups, the the uh, farmers and the cowboys. Uh, we even get a song about it, coming together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one question is, is why do these groups have to come together? Why is there a sense of, a sense of community? And one might argue that there is this unspoken, uh, for those who are listening on the air, I'll put in quotes, threat of Native Americans out there, which these white Americans feel that they have to come together and, and protect themselves against. What's really interesting, though, is that Oklahoma is based on the play Green Grow the Lilacs, which is written by a part Cherokee uh, Native American. So there actually there actually is a Native American tie to Oklahoma, but that also was never really threaded through the musical at all. Yeah. Was the original, was there more conversation about or like explicit reference to Native Americans in the original story or no? Was the musical like a pretty close representation of that? The musical, as I remember, it's been a while since I've read the original play, is is fairly close. Okay. Um, the original play features uh, folk songs as opposed to these original songs that uh, that Rodgers and Hammerstein wrote. What's really interesting, um, there is this picture that I found in some archival research of the creators of the show. I think it was maybe for the f- third or fifth anniversary of Oklahoma with this big cake that they're going to, to celebrate the show. And and Rogers and Hammerstein and 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 I think also the the choreographer Agnes DeMille they're dressed up as Native Americans uh, in this picture, and so it's very clear that in this world in which Oklahoma lives, Native Americans are are there, and that the creators themselves know this and were sort of playing cowboys and Indians, even though Native Americans never are written into the show. From reading this chapter of your book, that seems to be sort of the biggest like conflict or absence of of race. It's really like the lack of representation, not so much negative portrayals. But is there anything else that you saw in it that is a is a cause for concern or even just a cause for like something interesting? Well, the thing is, and I talk about this throughout my whole book, is that people often only see race 
or want to talk about race when it seems very clear. So when you have different racial groups on stage, we would say, this is a show about race. Many people look at Oklahoma and say, this is not a show about race. It's just, you know, a group of people. Oh, they all also maybe all happen to be white. But that in of itself brings up these questions. What does it mean to only have white people on stage when we know for a fact, as you just said, that Native Americans and other, and other groups of people are in this area and yet never appear? The, the, their absence actually is a statement about race and ways in which white supremacy works and which communities are kept apart. So, you know, absences uh, actually speak volumes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like whiteness becomes the default. And especially when you then go on and perform these shows because the original cast was all white, there's often an impression that the cast should always be that way when like there's sometimes no reason for that whatsoever. Yeah. There, real quick, there was a there was a really interesting production a few years ago out in Denver uh, of, of an all black production of Oklahoma. And while there is a, 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 a tradition or history of other um, traditionally white shows being done with all black casts, what was really interesting is that the, the director and, and uh, I'm guessing the dramaturg behind this production had done research and found that in the West at this time, there were all black communities and, and other communities of non-white folks. And so having an all-Black production of Oklahoma was actually very much based in some real historical evidence. So that's really that was really wonderful and fascinating even for me to learn and hear because we have to be reminded that even though the original production of Oklahoma was all white, it doesn't mean that there weren't other communities out there at this time um, who, who were inhabiting very similar roles. Yeah, absolutely. So now along comes this uh, revival that's being hailed as like, revolutionary. What are your thoughts? I know that it casts people of different races. So that's, you know, one good thing that they're doing. But does that does that or something else that they do kind of offset or acknowledge the kind of problems in the original? So it's a complicated question that needs to be sort of pulled apart. So um, uh, in the in the uh, Broadway, the New York production, it wasn't only that they cast uh, people of different racial backgrounds in, in the roles, uh, which was great. Um, in addition to that, the role of Edo Ami was uh, uh, they cast Ali Stroker, uh, an actress who uses a wheelchair. And that also was tremendous. She went on to win a Tony Award for that role. She was she was great in the role. I, I don't think uh, I don't think the touring um, person in that role uh, uses a wheelchair. Uh, no, but, but I. Um... The touring cast is Sis, who is a trans black woman in that right. role. So if you've seen the original and how what that role is, this is a vast difference here. Right. And what I think is great. So here's here's where we are with Oklahoma today. Oklahoma as this classic of American musical theater. On one hand, we could cast it as it was done in 1943 in this very traditional way, but Oklahoma as the almost all-American musical, we can take a step back and say, how can we make this musical truly all-American? How can we represent all types of people, racially, um, ability-wise, uh, sexuality, gender, all of these different things? How can we? How can we really push the envelope on that? And and that's I think what this new Oklahoma. Um, is and does. I should say it was not the first one to do this. There was a production at Arena Stage in DC maybe oh, five to 10 years ago that also cast uh, multiracially. Um, but that's 
that it's it's wonderful because it gives um, actors who might not typically be cast in these roles the opportunity to inhabit these roles and play these these great um, classic canonical parts. It's fantastic because again, it really makes what is this very American musical truly American. If we are a country as we aspire to be of of difference, which is a good thing. That said, there is a challenge to this, and that is. While I do think the 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 diversity that casting this way is ultimately outweighs what I'm about to say, it covers the racism that has existed in our country's history. And there are issues with that. And not that we have to always live in that negative past, but it is important for us to realize that there are things like segregation that existed and 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 inequality, and that there were tensions between Native Americans and uh, and 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 white folks. So what that casting does is sort of gloss over that. So it, we can actually have it both ways, and it is important to remember um, maybe what is I don't want to say lost, but what we maybe don't see um, or forget when we cast in this in this different way. Sure. Yeah, that was another question that I had too. Was like. Maybe there is no answer to this, but what is the right way to do shows that have had problems like this in the past? Like, can you do and watch and acknowledge the art in this while also acknowledging the problems? And should we be doing that? Or are these shows just so outdated that we should move on and make something new? You're asking the million dollar question here. (laughs) It was... You know, my, my book came out in a second edition um, uh, not too long ago, and I, I got to go back and rewrite this chapter and rethink, continue to rethink this chapter about um, uh, non-traditional multiracial casting, colorblind casting, all these different ways we want to talk about this. Because I'll be honest with you, my, my thoughts continue to evolve on this. It, it, is, not, it is not easy. Um, on one hand, I, do my, I think my own thinking has progressed to where with the majority of shows, these classic shows, I would say to cast them as broadly and, and, as, and as multiracially and, 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 and ability-wise and all those things as we're seeing with this Oklahoma as possible to really, let's make theater this, this utopic place where lots of people can live um, and, and inhabit these worlds. Some, some shows I think are difficult to, re- to revive today. Uh, Annie Get Your Gun comes back as one mm-hmm. that I think is becoming more and more difficult. That said, if we hold all shows, or for that matter, all art, up to our current standards of what is acceptable or not acceptable, I would almost argue that almost nothing will pass that test because art is a, is a reflection of the society and culture in, in which it's produced. And so um, I, I think some things are clearly um, not suitable for today for a bunch of reasons. They don't work um, in their representations of, of gender and race and sexuality. A show like Oklahoma, I think, does a better job at that. And I think this casting helps bring that a- a- along. So I think it's on a case-by-case basis and having smart directors sort of think through this material. Um, and some shows have also been changed uh, in, in, in how they're uh, being represented. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but the new production of The Music Man on Broadway, they rewrote the lyrics to one whole song to make it more, uh, less misogynistic. So, you know, there are ways to solve some of this None are perfect. Some are better than others. And I guess we'll see how it develops. I want to go back a little bit because your book points out that Oklahoma was written in 1943, which was the middle of wartime. And that influenced what story was being told. 
Can you talk a little bit about about that? Uh, sure. You know, many many shows that are historical are not really about so much the past, but about the present in which they're being written and, and how that present relates to the past. Um, Oklahoma, in this moment in which the U.S. is at war in World War II uh, overseas, Oklahoma is this way of thinking about the the quote unquote glorious past, right? Of of I'm gonna be very specific, white Americans, right, coming together, a community um, conquering the frontier, right? That's that's also really what Oklahoma is is about. It's about about these cowboys and in, uh, excuse me, cowboys and farmers conquering the frontier, and that's a great myth to mm-hmm. hold on to in 1943 when you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world, right? Are we going to conquer Nazism? Um, Will we come out of this, you know, you know, whole? And by looking to the past about, look how we conquered our own, this land, this seemingly empty land, right? That nobody was there, right? Except for the Native Americans, they were there. Um, Which I always have to remember people, oh, that's the other thing I didn't mention, that the Native Americans are in Oklahoma. The word Oklahoma is a Choctaw word that means red people. So they are in the title of the show, even though they're never on stage. Yeah, that was a really good point and something that I did not know until I read your book. I have to wonder what it is about Oklahoma specifically or generally these kind of classic musicals that makes people want to do revivals and to continue to do productions of them. Because there's so much great new theater out there. And this is a conversation that I have with my friends a lot. I'm more interested in modern musicals. Personally, I go and watch the movie of Oklahoma and I'm like, you liked that? Really? And I'm, you know, (laughs) I know that the revival, uh, I've heard people who didn't like the original who love the revival. So I'm very intrigued to see that. But like what, what about those kind of old and I think often outdated stories lingers on that people want to either retell in a new way or just keep producing them as they are? So on one hand, it's, it's how we talk about them in the first place. When we call something a classic, we already put it in this world or this category in which we say it's special. It deserves to be looked at again. It deserves to be produced again. So even putting that 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 title on it um, gives it some special power. And the longer, further back we go and the more productions they get, they take on this mantle of, being these classics and 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 being a classic again, putting classic in quotes, um, can sometimes get a show off the hook for being problematic in certain ways, um, and and so those things can be mutually reinforcing at times. I agree that there is so much new musical theater being produced, so much more that can and should be produced. Um, look, the other thing around, at least in New York and, and Broadway, is that the cost to produce uh, particularly a musical is just enormous, tens of millions of dollars. And many producers are, are risk adverse. If you're going to produce a show that costs millions and millions of dollars, you often want to do a show that you feel will put butts in seats. Sure. And these classic shows, these revivals, Hugh Jackman in the, in the Music Man, 
Sure, people will pay two, three hundred dollars to see that. Um, it's why jukebox musicals or, or or musicals based on movies are so popular because people they come with name recognition. That's what a show like Oklahoma comes with name recognition. And just as some people have liked this new production, a lot of people actually did not like the production because it was it's very different from the original. And people walked in thinking that they were going to see sort of a traditional production of Oklahoma and left actually quite disappointed. So, so that's a lot of what's happening. It's, it's often the economics that, that drive this. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting point. So I first heard your name because I saw your talk with the National Museum of American Jewish History here in Philadelphia. Your work seems to be like combination of studying musicals and studying Jewish history and race and all in that. I'm curious because we talk a lot about Black representation in musicals and maybe even Latinx representation, but I feel like the Jewish representation doesn't get talked about as much. So is that, do you see kind of the same things there? Is there a different relationship as far as the Jewish culture and Broadway goes? It has its own unique history that's different from, I would say, uh, people of color. On one hand, one might argue that almost, and that word almost is very important, the entire history of the Broadway musical is a Jewish history. That the, the most well-known creators of Broadway musicals, many of which their shows are still being produced today, were Jewish. Rodgers and Hammerstein, George Gershwin, mm-hmm. Irving Berlin, Jerome Kern, uh, Stephen Sondheim. I mean, we could go on and on. And I didn't um, even realize well, that, that, that all of those people were Jewish. Right, yes. What's interesting is that, but when you look at the shows that they wrote, they're really not that Jewish, or at least on the nose, not that Jewish at all. And uh, Andrea Most, a a wonderful scholar who wrote uh, Making Americans, Jews in the Broadway Musical, talks about the ways in which these these Jewish American Broadway uh, creators in this moment in which Jewish Americans themselves actually are trying to assimilate into the wider mainstream are actually creating shows in which the communities are very homogenous and white because Jews themselves are trying to find their entranceway into that world. And it's not until I think it's 1964, I think it is, when Fiddler on the Roof comes out, which is, I don't know, I think the most Jewish, the really the most Jewish show, Broadway show ever, It's at a moment, it's not until the 60s when Jewish Americans actually feel fully more comfortable in this country. They really have reached a level of social and socioeconomic success and and feel okay saying, actually, we're not just Americans, we're Jewish. And a show like Fiddler on the Roof can exist. In the early part of the 20th century, Jewish Americans were still trying to sort of make their way into Caucasian society, which they actually were not fully accepted yet. And so the shows of that, that time period are a reflection of that. Hmm. So another big question. We have talked about producing old musicals for a modern era. Your book starts with Showboat from back in 1927, and the second edition anyway comes all the way up to Hamilton. How do you think that Broadway's relationship with race has evolved as far as making new musicals? Do we still have a ways to go I mean, I don't think anybody could say that we are like perfect. We're done. But where do you think we are right now? Uh, we are far from done. Um, <laughs> you know, people often ask, "Did ha- has Hamilton changed the future of the musical? Um, 
And the answer is no. I mean, Hamilton came out, it's sort of in its own very special, elevated, wonderful world, but we didn't get 10 more Hamiltons that came that came after this. My book came out just as the as COVID was, was starting, mm-hmm. um, which is the moment in which Broadway shut down. And so for these last two years, it's we haven't actually seen much progress with, at least in the musical world, uh, uh, of new and a whole lot of innovative things quite yet coming uh, to to the stage. Uh, we've actually seen a lot more at Broadway this past fall and, and continuing. Almost every new play that premiered on Broadway this fall was um, written by uh, a Black playwright. Uh, the straight plays we're talking about, not right, musicals. Right. Straight plays are less expensive to produce and musicals are still very, um, are still very expensive. Um, it's so interesting that the places I think where we're seeing the most diversity are around things like jukebox musicals. So what hmm. just opened just oh, a few weeks ago, MJ, a jukebox musical about Michael Jackson. Um, there's a Tina Turner musical. And just yesterday they announced that works are in the production for potentially a Whitney Houston based uh, musical. Huh. So it's interesting that the stories that are being told are ones in which audiences of all racial backgrounds who like all these artists can find a home on on Broadway, Um, not so much uh, stories that are less familiar. Um, So we have a a long ways to go uh, in terms of representation, not just on who's performing certain roles, but uh, the creators and directors and designers behind these shows. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Serka, and we'll have another episode out soon. 